this uh, Doris Lessing wrote a book. I remember the title of it. But the essence was, in the future, there'd be roving bands attacking each other for whatever little wealth they had. The society would have broken down into these subcultures because things were so chaotic. And so uh, the only way you could survive is joining a band and then raiding other bands for their wealth. That was the voice of Maury Schwartz, the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury, my old college professor. My voice is me, Mitch Album. I'm the author of that book and the host of this podcast alongside my good friend and producer, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Mitch. And that sentence there that you heard, Maury, uh, just before was from August of 1995, 25 years ago, when I sat alongside him as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease and took a last class in what's important in life once you really know you're going to die, as Maury did. And isn't it interesting that he said, boy, there's a book about society breaking down into different subcultures, things becoming chaotic, roving bands attacking each other, etc. And a lot of that portends for what we find ourselves in today. And so I thought that this would be an opportune time to take a step back with all the emotions that people are feeling, uh, with everything that has gone on, not only just in the COVID-19 summer and how we've had to separate from one another and lose a lot of the things that we thought were normal and see our society break down in many ways that we'd never seen before and undergoing all kinds of hardships from economic to physical affection and the ability to share milestones, good and bad, having to bury people from afar, to, of course, all the explosive emotions that have taken place after the George Floyd murder, and I will call it a murder, and everything that's happened on the streets of America. And so we're going to take a step back today and talk about all right, how you can control being the kind of person that you want to be in this time when it seems like everybody is telling you who you ought to be. Do you find that, Lisa? I mean, we had this before before even the the emotions of the last couple of weeks, even during COVID-19, there were the responsible citizens and the irresponsible citizens, the people who you can't go right. out without wearing a mask. No, you need to stand up for your individual liberties. A, a mask became a symbol of who you are. And with the political climate that we have, it seemed like everybody was forcing people to, to join sides, one or the other. Either you're a believer in the, the, the pandemic, you're a believer in the disease, and you're going to do everything you can to keep from getting sick and keep others from getting sick, or you think this is all cooked up by doctors and, and, and politicians and people who have not your best interests at heart, and so you're going to defy that. And it was almost a sense that you right. needed to take sides. Now, certainly since the George Floyd situation— there's a lot of, well, this is who you need to be. You need to come out and apologize. You need to come out and say what side you're on. Silence is not acceptable. Silence is part of the problem. And, and I think a lot of people feel like, wow, I'm being forced into sort of declaring something about myself and declaring to people who I am in order to satisfy their desire to judge me and know if I'm on their side or not on their side. And that's a lot of right. pressure for people, right? A lot of pressure to yeah, say, well, I've wait seen a minute. a lot of that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know who they are. 
uh, when forced up against the wall, quite frankly, uh, pushed uh, against the wall and told, okay, so where do you stand on this? So we're going to talk a little bit about how to become not the person that other people want you to be, because that's not for me or anybody else to tell you, but the kind of person that you might want to be and what Maury referred to as a complete human person. Now, of course, Maury had lofty ideas. Here was a college professor who had always been about love and about community and about sharing. He was that way when he was healthy. He was that way through the 60s and 70s and 80s at Brandeis University as a teacher and a professor. He was that way when he taught me back in the mid-70s. And he was that way once he was diagnosed with ALS in his late 70s and realized he had just months left to live. He talked to me once about how people saw him as, shall we say, an idealist. Listen. All this idealistic talk you hear from me is visionary. And people used to say to me, you're very utopian. You're not very realistic. And I would say the only way to be realistic is to be utopian. Because realism is not getting us very far. It's hard to argue with that sentiment. Realism hasn't gotten us very far. It's made us very angry. Uh, And then, of course, we have who's really real. You know, you're you're not real enough. You know, you got to keep it real. You're too real. Uh, reality, of course, is a subjective thing to everyone who's involved in it. But certain things shouldn't be subjective. Certain things are definitely good advice to become a, a person who's confident in him or herself during this time when people are saying, who are you? Stand up and be counted. What is important to you? What are your priorities? Where do you stand? We're going to spend this episode and next episode talking about how you can find where you stand, how you can find who you are inside your own mind and your own heart. And my blueprint for this was given to me by my old college professor, who during our visits laid this out in no uncertain terms. Remember, while we talked a lot about what some people might think are mushy things, uh, love and compassion and comfort and humanity. Maury was, in his heart and forever, a teacher. And so there were times during our visits where he wanted to be a teacher, and he wanted to basically lay out a course for me to be the best person I could be. And in October of 1995, he was very adamant about this, And here is how he sort of set up his little syllabus, if you will, for the course that he was about to take me on. Listen. I want to outline for you what my thoughts are about what I could transmit to you as an older person, about what you as a younger person and the people in your age category could strive for to make things come into your life that I would think would be of the highest order. That's right at the core of it. Let's go. Okay. The first thing is that greater and greater awareness, which is a very complicated thing. I'll come back to that. 
That's what you want to develop. Two, you want to develop your full humanity. That, too, is a very complex thing. Three, you want to develop your fullest compassion. Four, you want to develop skills of a technical as well as aesthetic nature. And five, you want to develop a mind that grasps things in many different arenas and that sees the interconnections between things and sees things as a whole rather than a lot of separate parts. Now, if that sounds like a full course, it was. It is. I don't know, Lisa, if you're looking to see if what books do you have to buy now to get through those five steps. But we're going to walk through them together. And I promise you, by the time we're done, you'll see that they go from being very esoteric, sort of academic-sounding mm-hmm. things to being very realistic and of great help during the time, I think, where we find us ourselves now. Okay, so the first thing that he mentioned, there were five steps of this. And if you're, if you're taking notes while you're listening to us here, so there are five steps. Awareness, humanity, compassion, skills of an aesthetic nature, and understanding interconnections between people. Now, you say, well, how is this going to make me a better person? Well, we're going to show you because these are not just words. These are concepts, and these are practices that you can actually try. So beginning with awareness. Okay, awareness is more than just a new agey world. Awareness is sort of taking stock of yourself and finding the triggers that set you off frequently. If you find yourself reading the news these days and finding yourself repeatedly angry when you read a particular type of story or about a particular event, every day you get up and you read it or you watch it on one of the cable news networks and you start to feel your blood boiling. And yes, I know there's a lot of people in our audience who are saying, yes, I, I, I feel that every day. What can you learn from that? The awareness is finding out what it is that triggers you, what it is that sets you off. And understand it's not necessarily them. It's not necessarily the story that you're hearing or the news piece that you're reading. It's something perhaps inside you that always reacts to that type of stimulus, Listen to right. how more yeah, listen to how Maury explained point one, step one of our of our five step plan to become better, fuller people, awareness. Awareness. It means you know yourself in some depth, not only your conscious self, but your unconscious self. The things that sneak out on you that you're not aware of until you see them out there. Like what? Like what? Give me an example. Like You tend, when you see, let's say, uh, an older man to get a little shudder because you feel old age, and that's how you reveal it to yourself. Or you're very competitive, and you walk along the street, and your mind starts going on, you say, ah, this guy's not really 
a nice guy. You convert the competitiveness into something else. Mm -hmm. Put him down. Mm -hmm. Those are simple examples. So what Maury is talking about here is your unconscious. Your unconscious that triggers you into a reaction. So he said, uh, well, he gave one example. Okay, when you see like an older person who looks very feeble, do you have inside you almost an automatic thing like, uh, oh, you know, I don't like looking at that or, oh, you know, look at that person is sold or whatever. Why, why is your reaction that as opposed to, oh, look at that person who's managed to live that long. I should go up and say hello. I, I should go up and just be nice to him. Why, why is your reaction to shudder, as he said? Well, it's not just that's what old people make me feel. That's not an answer. You can't say that. Well, that's how every time I see an old person, that's how they make me feel. No, that's a half an answer. That's that you're the, you're stating the problem, but you're, but you're not stating why. Mm-hmm. Could it be that they remind you of your own mortality, that you don't want to die, that you don't want to get older? And so when you see people like that, your first reaction is to recoil, but you're recoiling because you've got an issue with getting older. Now, mm-hmm. if you could recognize that and say, you know what, it's not them. I don't like to see that because I don't want to get older. I'll give an example that everybody can relate to maybe even more than that. In high school, if you weren't a cool kid, if you weren't in the clique that was the coolest, best looking, most athletic, whatever, chances are whenever you saw any of that group, you felt an anger. You found something wrong with them. Oh, they think they're so cool, right? You remember that expression we used to use? They're still mm-hmm. using it today <laughs> for kids. Oh, they, they're, they're so full of themselves. That guy's so full of himself. Uh, he's stu- well, were they really guilty of that? Or did you project that onto them because what you were really saying is, I feel bad that I'm not one of the popular group. What bothers me is I'm not in that group. So my reaction is every time I see somebody in that group, I'm going to find fault with them. Look at that guy talking. Right. He's so full of himself. Look at that girl. She thinks she's so cool with that hair. Look at him wearing those clothes. Look at that car that they're driving. But you don't do that to everybody else, but you do that to people in that group. Why? You initially tell yourself, oh, because they're, they're obnoxious. But is it really, if you're really being aware and taking awareness of yourself, is it really that you're actually jealous that you're not in that group? And if you were in that group, suddenly you find, you know, I've seen this in the movie business endlessly. I've seen people who have who are on kind of the outside of the movie business, haven't made it yet, struggling, writing scripts, trying to act, whatever it is, and totally critical of the people who had made it. Oh, that guy said, you know, oh, so this and so that and so, so full of himself and so, and so wrong and so untalented. And then suddenly they get a break and they get on the inside. They get to work on a movie or whatever. And the same people that they were ripping to shreds, being of, they're now their best friends and they're hanging out with them. Uh, and right. they, oh, he's so, <laughs> oh, he's so nice. He's so nice. He's just amazing. He's an amazing guy. Just so amazing. And I said, but yeah, 10 minutes ago, <laughs> you know, you were talking about how people like that are so phony. But now that you're on the inside, they're so real. So maybe it wasn't what really bothered you wasn't their phoniness. What bothered you was you were not in the group. You see right. what I'm saying? Yeah, we all do that. Yeah. yeah. I've done that. I do that. 
It's also like a defensiveness too, you know? You get right. a little bit defensive about things. Right. Uh, and it's happening a lot now, by the way, with everything that's going on. And we don't feel that we are self-aware of things that maybe we should be self-aware of. Right. And people are telling us that we're not aware of things and that we have to open up our awareness. And then we're like, but wait a minute, I'm totally aware. That's me. I've been right. aware my whole life. Or, or even, even more succinct, don't tell me how to be aware. Right. And you used a very good word, a very important word there, Lisa, defensiveness. Maury knew that that was part of this equation, and he actually gave me a warning on this. Listen to what he says. What's your defensiveness? When you get defensive about something, that's a signal to you. There's something there that you should be looking at mm -hmm. and trying to do something about. And the awareness, of course, covers everything. Of a spiritual awareness, economic awareness, social awareness, you know, philosophical, aesthetic, the whole smear. And again, you could focus on what you want, but the point is to do it with a certain kind of receptivity, and as I say, with a certain kind of sense that I don't want to judge this, I just want to see. So there you hear Maury talking about defensiveness. When you get defensive about something, make the next step. Why am I so defensive about this? Ask yourself that question. Why, why does this bother me? For example, if someone says to you, uh, there are these miners in Colombia who want higher wages and they're not going to work until they get higher wages, and they're staging a strike. And you say, no, oh, okay. You don't get emotionally attached to it. You're not a minor yourself. You're not in a union. You're not this. You don't, you're not from Columbia. So, so you just listen to it, right? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. You listen to it without taking a side. But then let's say there's an issue closer to home, and there's they say, oh, this your neighbor up the street there. Um, I saw him at a rally for such and such a thing, and he was leading a charge to say such and such. And you get angry. And you get, you know, oh, you know who does he think he is? He lives And you go into this whole thing. Ask yourself, well, why, why does that bother you and the other thing didn't bother you? Is there right. something that you have with this person or this issue that you're getting defensive about because you yourself aren't necessarily that confident about it. Now, here we find ourselves very close to what's happening in the world today. There are a lot of people, black and white and brown and, you know, otherwise, who are feeling like they need to take a position on racism. Mm -hmm. And... Some people are feeling like they need to apologize for not recognizing racism outside and inside themselves. Other people feel like they're defensive and they say, don't tell me about being racist. I'm not racist at all. Yep. Sometimes, and I can't speak for everybody, but sometimes that may be an indicator of that deep down people feel, you know, and actually I did do that once or I did say that once or I did why is it bothering you so much otherwise? Why, if, if, if it doesn't affect you at all, why, why can't you just sort of dismiss it? Well, that's interesting. Or maybe it's just you personally are 
tired of younger people telling older people how they should think. And this is a pet peeve of yours. And you get this because maybe you've had other people in your life or someone at work or young people. We're going to go the young people's way and we're going to do what they're going to do. The way that a lot of groups now want to rename cities, rename streets, knock down monuments. It's a lot of young telling the old, we don't like what the way that you used to do it and we're not accepting it and we're going to create a new world for ourselves. And you get a lot of people get very angry at it, but what they're really maybe angry at, and I'll admit this for myself, sometimes when I hear some of that stuff, I realize part of the reason that I'm angry is that I don't like being the older guy. You know, I remember, (laughs) I remember the sixties when we were, we didn't even know what we were protesting. You're too young for this, Lisa. I'm a little, I'm I'm not a, I'm on the youngish end. Well, you were you were in the seventies. I'm I only think. right behind you by that much. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I remember the protest marches in the sixties. I was a kid, but you know, the sixties into the seventies was more my time. But they were still protesting things then, and it was just a feeling like, well, we know because we're young, and the world is going to be ours, you know, and and so we know we all felt so so enlightened. And when I look back on it, we were idiots. I mean, we didn't know anything. Right. You know, we knew so little of the facts. And we still participated in these things and whatever. And, and, and we were arguing with our parents. And our parents would say, you don't know the whole story. I know, I know this and I know that. Well, now I'm the older guy. And what I get defensive about, I may think it's intellectual, academic, but part of it, I'm sure, if I'm really being honest and aware of myself, is... I don't like being the older guy. I liked it more when I was (laughs) the young revolutionary, you know, but this is my reality. So when I recognize that, I step back and say, okay, I'm not really as angry over these things as as I initially felt. I think I just don't like being reminded that I'm the older guard and there's a younger guard. Well, there's also things now, um, so many people telling you what you should think. Mm -hmm. And there are I mean, I get it. I'm reading that book, White Fragility, right now. Um, And I have to say that when I first started reading it, I was getting very defensive, thinking, I'm not racist. I've never been racist in my life. That's never been my thing. I grew up in Detroit in a school that was, my middle school was, you know, majority black. Um, That is not me. These people are my friends. Everybody's friendly. But then I thought, why am I getting defensive? Mm -hmm. Am I getting defensive because you're telling me what I am or am I getting defensive because maybe there is some of that in me? And as you read through the book, you start unraveling all these like layers of the onion that maybe somewhere deep down inside there is something that and I'm going to say maybe in my mind that I was not aware of. You know, here's an example. I went to Christopher Columbus Elementary School. Mm -hmm. Right. Right now. They're tearing down statues of Christopher Columbus. You know, he was not the, the guy that we all learned about when we were in school. One would think in elementary school, since my school was Christopher Columbus, they may have told you both sides of Christopher Columbus. But we only knew the guy that sailed the ocean blue and, you know, and discovered America. Yeah. Yeah. We never, we never realized or, or learned that whole story. So is it just stuff that we're not aware of because we didn't learn it? And when somebody tells us something, it's challenging our intelligence or what is it? I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of that going on right now. It could also be um, 
And that's a really good example because a lot of people went to Christopher Columbus elementary schools of some right. kind or another. There are a lot of things named after Christopher Columbus. So what both sides need to understand is when someone says we're going to take down this uh school or this building or this statue of Christopher Columbus, or we're going to rename the thing of Christopher Columbus. The people who are doing that are doing so because in in their worldview, he was whatever wrong things. And I, you know, I, I tend to look at people as people are a lot of things. And he may have done that. He also did sail the ocean blue in 1492. Although some will say right. that the Vikings got here first and the Indians were, you know, all that history. But the point is that people who want to take it down, want to destroy it, want to erase it, they do so because they're passionate about a political point or a, a, uh, a personal point of view or their experience. Or they think it's symbolic of bad things and we should lose this because it's symbolic of bad things. Why would you want to keep Christopher Columbus's name on something when he was nothing more than a blah, blah, blah. What they're not right. understanding is the very thing that makes older people defensive about why do we have to do that? Now, the older people may be saying that's way too much. That's a total overreaction. That's not all who Christopher Columbus was. But in their awareness, what they may also not be saying, but may be feeling is that's my past. Right. That's my past. I yeah. went to that school. You're now going to change my past. You're denying me my existence. You're going to try to erase a piece of my existence. Now, that's not what they say, but that may be why they are as angry over it, whereas, you know, the name on some other building, say, fine, you want to change the name of the building, change the name of the building. So, so this is a perfectly good example of people being defensive on both sides for the surface level approach of it, why they're angry, and then the fully awareness, well, here's what's really behind that. And if we can search and get fully behind that and really find out what is driving us on these things, we will become calmer about it because we will be understanding ourselves better. If you understand what's making you angry, what's making you defensive, you will not be as inclined to be as angry or be as defensive. Now, I'm not saying that if you start examining yourself in light of all the uh, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff and all the things that's going on right now, you're going to end up agreeing with whatever the opposite side is of where you are. Not at all. You may find out, no, this is not, there's, there's no more there there. I just object to it on a political level or whatever. I just have, uh, you know, I just think things should change because they have to change, w whatever it is. But I'm saying more often than not, if it's making you crazy, and that's what goes back to where we began this show, you're watching the news and you're just getting angry, you're just getting emotional, chances are it's maybe tied to something else. And this is where awareness is the first step towards being a really fully sort of uh, complete person that's unafraid to look at their own Imagine uh, history and why things are right. what, what they are. By the way, if you were to sit with a therapist and you were angry over something, let's say you said, well, I'm always angry at my wife, you know. Well, why are you angry at your wife? Well, because she puts the dishes uh, away sideways and, uh, you know, or every time I ask for chocolate chip, uh, she ends up getting butter pecan. And a therapist would probably say, okay, you realize that that's not justification, for you to be this angry. 
what's going right. on. And eventually what's they'll really, say, well, yeah. right, what's really going on, the reason I'm so defensive about chocolate chip or butter pecan or whatever, is because, you know, I feel that, and then you go into some old history, you know, uh, I, I married right. too young or, or she doesn't love me anymore. And these are really big issues, but you're arguing over the smaller issues. Well, in many cases, what's going on right now is we're feeling a lot of big ang- anger over things, but really it's it's not over that pr- the particular thing, a particular march in your city of a couple hundred people. You know, we're still a nation of 330 million people. Most, you know, most of the people are, are pretty apathetic on, on all this in terms of their actions, but yet a march of a couple hundred people can get people all upset it, it, because it triggers something inside of them and perhaps there's a defensiveness or something that I need to be aware of to see why is this bothering me so much. There's nothing wrong with asking mm-hmm. yourself that question. Nobody, you don't have to report the answer to anyone but yourself. But it is a good exercise to do about this isn't normal for you know me to be this angry or this defensive. What's going on? Let me analyze myself and see if I can make an awareness about something else that's there that's triggering this. And also things like you really have to self-examine, like, why am I so angry that I'm not feeling what you're telling me that I should be feeling? You know what I mean? That's the other thing, too. And and we went back to last week's episode, which was about listening, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really important for us to start listening to other people's stories and other people's points of view. We all bring something different to the table. Um, We all come from different families and different structures and different everything, right? Socioeconomic backgrounds. We can't possibly all think the same. That's never going to happen. We're never going to have one consolidated viewpoint on anything because that's not who we are. So we either need to learn to appreciate other people's points of view without getting defensive or, um, you know, just accept who we are and accept what we believe without getting angry at ourselves. I don't know. It's a... It's a tough thing, and I'm learning more about it now because there's so many people that say, you need to think this way. Yeah. You know, like every side is like saying, you need to say this, you need to say this, you need to think this, you need to think this. Well, everybody's not going to think your way. No, and, never and, gonna and, happen. and the more you tell somebody how they're go- supposed to think, the less they're going to think that way. Yeah. And the and more you're going to fall into that old famous saying, you haven't converted a man just because you've silenced him. You know, if you scream so loud that the other person shuts up, that doesn't mean they believe what you believe. That just means they shut up. So what is a safer and more humane way of doing it is for both sides to try to really ask themselves, okay, why am I so angry about this? And those are the people pushing for change as well. You know, why am I demanding that people think a certain way or say a certain thing or whatever? Is Is it really about that or is it... I have a history or there's something inside me. I get, I get very defensive when certain things happen because of what's happened to me. And I react with an anger and a fury that may not meet this particular moment. You know? And can I understand how someone else can also have their own personal histories that I need to sort of understand that, that may keep them from doing what I want them to do, but doesn't necessarily mean we can't find a common ground with one another. So you can't find a common ground if you're not being honest with what's really behind your emotions, because the common ground you're going to find is going to be based on something that's not really what's bothering you anyhow. It's how people manage to sign truces with one another and never really stop warring. 
because, you know, right. what they really agreed about was the truth, but not really the issues that were dividing them. So awareness is lesson one of this five-step lesson plan that Maury laid out to before you can really go forward, you need to truly understand inside yourself what is motivating me? Why am I feeling the emotions I'm feeling? Can I be honest about it? Can I be aware about it? And as he said, this goes for economic awareness. You know, why do I feel a certain way about having money or other people who have money? Spiritual awareness. Why do I feel a certain way towards the church or towards the synagogue or towards people who are, who are religious or towards people who are not religious? Uh, philosophical, aesthetic, social awareness, all those types of things, race included, all of them. And so I think this is a great exercise, and, and, and we'll sort of leave it there because I don't want to go on too long. But I do want to foreshadow what we will talk about next week, which will include, and we'll start with number two on Maury's list of five things, and that is humanity. Humanity, managing to live our full humanity. What does he mean by that? Well, I'll give you a little foreshadowing right here. We should all try to live our full humanity. Mm -hmm. We are so little evolved, really, as human beings in that direction because we are so self and other destructive by and large. Most people are asleep. They conform to what the culture tells them they should be. They don't use their intellectual capacities very much. They don't use their emotional capacities. And so they go through life at a very, I consider, minimal level. And then they die. And they never understood what their life was supposed to be about. That is a strong, strong lesson there and a strong sentence to say you've gone through all your days of your life and never understood what your life was supposed to be about. Maury will guide us a little bit on uh, the humanity and how you can realize what your life is supposed to be about when we rejoin you again next week. So take what we uh, talked about here Try it out in some of your situations. See if awareness is something that you can use to bring your emotions down and bring yourself more in, li in line with what you're really feeling as opposed to what you're reacting to. I think that's a great step, first step, to calming people down in a time when we're all very heightened and very agitated. And then mm -hmm. we'll go on from there. All right. So we do this every week, and that means in seven days uh, we'll be back doing it again. So uh, you can find us, of course, at, uh, at our website, wetuesdaypeople.com. Yep, that's it. And uh, you can always leave us a comment, and we always enjoy those or uh, weigh in. There's great discussion boards there as well that you can get talking with other people about all this. And who knows, we can help inspire some good dialogues. That won't hurt. Until we see you again with another edition of the Tuesday People podcast, on behalf of Lisa Goitsch, this is Mitch Album wishing you a safe, healthy, and happy week. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. 
We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people. 